0: Turn your Bibles to, Epistle to the Ephesians, chapter 2, and then after I pray, we'll read the first 10 verses. So Father God, we come to you with hearts just renewed in our gratitude for what you've done for us, for who you are, that you have called us into sonship, adopted us into your family, and given us an inheritance in your glory. And so we bow our knees, and we just thank you, Father, that we have this place that we can come, and we can look into your face, we can encourage one another, we can sing songs together that lift up the name of Christ, we can hear your voice, and Father, we need your help now to teach us what we don't know and to give us what we don't have. As we look into your inspired word, as you speak to us, Father, give us ears that have hearing, eyes that can see, hearts that are ready to receive, and hands and feet that are ready to go and be doers of the word. And I thank you that you'll do that through the power of the Holy Spirit who is here with us, and who has been sent by you and your Son to glorify you and to glorify him. So glorify your own name and glorify your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, this morning, Father. I pray this in his holy and beautiful name. Amen. So Ephesians chapter 2, maybe familiar verses, but we're going to read all the way through verse 10. And you... He made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of our minds, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God... In Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we live in a world today where there is fear, Um, there is doubt, there is concern with COVID-19, which is affecting every facet of our lives. It's affecting jobs, it's affecting our security, it's affecting our physical safety, and that seems to be about all we hear. So what fear does is paralyze, of course, and stymie us going forward. So I wanted to address a topic I've titled this, Who Made You? Came up during our family Bible study. I meet with my family once a week, and we're studying through the um, epistle of Paul to the Philippians. And as we've been going through the passages, we're in that section towards the end of Philippians. um, And we've already transferred through where Paul says that we are to be kind and to have the mind of Christ. Um, Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, emptied himself um, and became a bond slave. So we went through that, and then Paul says, you know, to to cast away all this other stuff, but to press forward. And at the end of one of our uh, weekly meetings, it had been pretty quiet, kind of like in my Sunday school, it can often be pretty quiet. Um, So I just asked, What's on your guy's mind? What are you getting from this? Where are you at? And my daughter, in one of those brief moments of clarity and honesty, just admitted, I can't do this. So we're going through, and she's seeing the same words that we see. But she's recognizing in herself, I can't do this. I can't live up to the perfection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't even get through 10 minutes. So just in that brief moment, in such a brief, honest statement, she reminded me that we all need to remember who's made us. And so I wanted to do this message. I had a different message I'd been planning for months, if I ever got an opportunity. But I believe that the Lord wants this one to be given today. So in this passage, what we see, and we see it often in Paul's writings, that before he ever gets to the latter part of the Ephesian epistle where he says to walk this way and to walk that way and to come together as a church and to do things, to lift each other up, to do all of those works, he always lays down the truths about God and about us that make that possible. And I'm afraid what's happened for us is because we're doers, we forget these truths. That's for the theologians. I just want to go and do the work. And we try to do it in our our own strength. We try to do it in our own intellect, in our own energy. And we find ourselves failing and failing and failing because we are trying to do what we cannot do. Only God can do it, but he can't do it through you. And this passage has told us that he has made you for just that reason. So I want you to to look back with me at verse 10. At Verse 10 of chapter 2. Now this is after the passage that reminds us who we were. We were just like them. As we go through verse 2 through verse 3, it is described in vivid detail. But God, in verse 4, don't you love the but God? But God did something. He made us alive, chapter 2, verse 1. He made you who were dead alive in Christ. He made you alive. He created you alive who were once dead in Christ. He did not mend you, he gave you life. In his mercy and in his great love for which he loved us, he made us alive with Christ. And then in verse 10, it tells us that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We forget the truth behind our creator and who we are. I asked Mike to play that particular song right before this message because it's such a good song. Because it says in the middle of all of that that he calls um, to me, that he hears me when I call him, he picks me up when I'm falling. And it it brings our minds back to that, that activity of the Christian life. That when I'm in the struggle, when I'm afraid, when I'm, when I'm trying to do ministry, when I'm trying to do things on my own and I'm falling, he sees me falling and he picks me up. But there's a statement that says this, he has told me who I am. And that's where the power is. Because your creator has told you who you are. Because he's made you. Who you are. Verse 10, the beginning portion. We're his workmanship. You are not your own. All of these things that we see in ourselves that we find so restrictive with my daughter in law, the struggles that she has with emotions, with anxieties. She doesn't feel smart enough intellectual enough. She hasn't been trained in the word enough. She feels desperate trying to deal with the economics that she's dealing with. She feels scared to share her testimony. All of those things that she fights with because she's trying to to think that she's only doing it in her own strength, but it is he himself who has made her. And it is he who made you. So I... I think of over the years I've been here and people that I've known in my life, the, the, the amazing testimonies. Um, some of you may know who Johnny Erickson Tata is. She's paralyzed from the neck down. And she has one of the most active ministries in the world. She travels the entire globe preaching the gospel, teaching people, compassionately reaching out to people, calling them to the Lord. Jody read that verse, come to me. So there's Johnny Erickson Todd in a wheelchair. She can't do anything for herself. In her physical body, she's been completely wracked with all of these diseases and paralyzation. And yet she's crying out, call out to him. Call out to him. He'll give you rest. How can you say that sitting in a wheelchair? Having to have your, somebody else comb your hair and brush your teeth for you. God made her that way. We don't want to hear that, do we? Because he is our healer God, right? He's supposed to heal every malady that ever come, befalls us. That's what we teach people. The Bible doesn't say that, but that's what we tell people. If there's something wrong, then you must be in sin. No, God made you since eternity. He made you exactly the way you are. And we see that throughout the Bible, the beauty of the Bible, when God gives us this word and he holds up these people that we can use as examples. He holds up Peter. Think about it. Peter was a crass fisherman. He had no formal education. He knew in himself, he denied the Lord. He knew in himself that he was not capable of sharing anything with anybody. And yet, look what the Lord did. He used Peter, as we've been going through the book of Acts, to stand up in the middle of Jerusalem after the Lord's resurrection and point people to Christ. And then in the midst of the religious elites... He used Peter, simple Peter, to fend off the attacks of the church. And what did they say? We know that this is not an educated man, but he's been with Jesus. God didn't need to make Peter Paul. Peter in the Bible even says, you know, some of that stuff Paul writes is, I don't get it. That's what he made Paul to do. He made Peter to be Peter. He made Zacchaeus, who was short in stature and had to climb into a tree just to see him and was a tax collector and a robber. He made Zacchaeus and all of those things that Zacchaeus did so that we could see Zacchaeus have the Christ invite himself into his home and restore him. He made Jacob a liar a deceiver. And He changed his name to Israel and founded the nation. He made Moses, who tried everything he could to get out of, out of his job. I don't know how to speak well, Lord. He made Jeremiah, who was young, a prophet. Story after story after story. We've been in Samuel, Hannah, who was barren, He made her pray and have faith in him so that he could grant a child, Samuel. Over and over again in the New Testament, he made a man blind from birth so that God's glory could be revealed in him. And he's made you just the way you are, exactly as you are. I'm not tall enough. I'm too big. (laughs) I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough money. I haven't been educated enough. I don't know what to say. He has made you exactly the way you are. And now, as the child of God, he has breathed into you life. Because not only has he made you who you are, not only has he made you what you are, but he's made you when you are. Do you recognize the length of history? How long is history? From God spoke and all things began to today. Just imagine for a moment how long that is. How many people, how many generations of people have come and gone? How many more people will come and go? the Lord returns. In all of history, he made you for now. He didn't make you so that you could be one of the 12. He didn't make you so that you could be the wife of Aaron. He didn't make you so that you could be in Jerusalem when the son was crucified. He didn't make you so that you could be in Rome when Paul was imprisoned there. He didn't make you in history so that you could be Luther during the Great Reformation. He didn't make you 50 years ago so that you could be around when president whoever was the president. He made you for right now. In his divine plan, you have a role. And he made you at the perfect moment so that what he made you to be and who he made you to be would be available when he made you to be. So you are not here by some accidental timing. The Lord God of all the heaven and the earth made you for this moment in time. You look around this room at each other, recognize that the Lord God of heaven, the creator God, made the person sitting next to you to be sitting next to you at this very moment. If he could orchestrate all of history... So that when his son would walk into a city, there would be a foal standing there, tied, that had never been ridden. Imagine how God had to arrange that. Everything has its moment. Everything has its purpose. And he has created you in the womb. Imagine being that man that was born blind, that lived on the earth for over 30 years that was falsely accused. Who sinned, Lord? Him or his parents? Well, somebody had to, right? He's blind. That's not normal. So he must be sinning. Or his parents must have sinned. No, I made him that way. So at this moment, when I passed by, I used to see Josh around the neighborhood all the time. So at that moment, when Josh would walk past my house, at that instant, I would be standing there. Imagine the calculations, the wisdom, and the power of God for that one moment in history. That man was standing right where the Lord was going to pass by. There's no accident. You're not sitting in that chair right now because of your accidental life. The master, or as Robbie Zacharias calls him, the grand weaver, He has been weaving the pattern of your life, moving the earth, moving events all through your life to bring you to this moment of time. I remember thinking to myself when I was saved at the age of 33 years old, I remember, Lord, I've done so much damage. I've done so much damage. Look at all those wasted years. And then he brought me to the Philippian epistle. And he brought me to the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul says, look, guys. I am a Jew of a Jew. Of the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised the eighth day. According to the law, perfect. Imagine being able to even say that. According to the law, perfect according to zealousness, more than anybody else. Educated by the best teachers in Israel. And I banked my whole life on that. I banked my life on that to the point that I would persecute the church of the Lord Jesus Christ because of my holiness. But my whole life, all of my status, until one day when the Lord Jesus spoke. And I heard And everything that I counted as gain, I now count as rubbish. Everything that I counted as gain is rubbish. Why? Because Paul, who is writing this epistle, says we were just like them. We were conducting ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of our mind, and we were by nature children of wrath. I, Paul, Benjamin of the the tribe of Benjamin, an Israelite to beat all Israelites, more zealous than any, was using all of that gifting, all of that blessing that the God had given me to fulfill my own lustful heart's desire and worship my own self. But God, at just the right moment, in all of history, at just the right moment, God spoke. And Paul found himself on the ground, seeing who had made him. And what does Paul say? I regret, I lament my early years. No. I put it behind me. I count it as rubbish, And I press forward to the high calling of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who has called me. So when you were made was exactly when you were supposed to be made. When you were saved is exactly when you were supposed to be saved. The life you had, the life I had, it's unfortunate that I sinned against the Lord. I've repented of it, but I use it now to glorify him. I use the military experience that he gave me. I use the mind that he gave me that I pursued, and people that knew me, I pursued knowledge for knowledge's sake so that I could be smarter than the rest of the people around me, so that I could use it as a weapon. Now I pray that the Lord will let me use that mind to hear him so that I can just be a parrot. I've got nothing to tell you except for what he has to tell you, which is this. He has told you who you are. You're his. He's told you when you are, right now. And lastly, as we get to the end of that verse, he's told you why you are. We are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Why are you? You don't need to go onto a mountaintop and find some guru or some swami because God has told you why he made you. He's made you to walk in the good works that he created in eternity past at this moment that only you, his workmanship, can walk in. I can't walk in your work, you can't walk in mine. But he made you to walk in the good works that he foreordained. Right now, as you sit in that chair, you're gonna get up, when I get finished, we're gonna all say, "Ah," and then we're all gonna go home. And we're gonna go do the things we're gonna go do. Are you aware that when you go do the things you're going to do, there's a good work that needs to be done? How do I know that? How can I say that? Because when the Bible says, when your work is done, guess what? You're out. Charlene served the women food. And then she went home. She sat down. And she went home. The last thing she did was an act of service to the women in this church. And when that final work was done, she went home. Until those good works that he has foreordained that you should walk in them are completed, you're stuck here. I hope you see that as a positive. But let me tell you, if you're still sitting here, if you're still sucking air, it's because God has a good work for you to do for him. That's why he's kept you here. I don't know why God uses people. I only know that he does. You know, we think God could do anything. What does he need us for? He loves us so much that he wants us to partake in it. He wants us to partake in the divine righteousness, in the divine holiness, in the divine joy of seeing somebody hear the gospel and be saved, in the divine joy of being able to comfort somebody who's lost a loved one, in the divine peace that when the world is in tumult and terror and the waves are crashing and you're in the middle of the storm, for some unknown reason, you're at peace. You're at peace. That can save somebody that is teetering on the edge of going over is to see someone in the storms of life standing on the rock And all they see is waves crashing around them. And they look into the sky and they see storm and lightning. And in the midst of all of that, just like Peter when he saw the Lord Jesus standing on the water, they see you standing in the midst of all of that. Not cowering. Not retreating. But standing. Firmly. Come what may. That's the good works God has for you to do. Somebody that you don't know that doesn't know where their next meal is coming from. Maybe he's made you and gifted you with generosity or hospitality. And that person that you have no idea, they have no idea where their next meal is coming from or how they're gonna care for themselves or their family, And you reach out to them in kindness and in love. And you just extend the hand of Christ, which is what you're doing, for the least of these. And you give them a glass of water. You're giving them Christ. You're giving them life. These are the good works. Maybe he does have you with a mind or an understanding of his word. So there is going to be a Sunday school or a family Bible study, or a child that you're going to have that is going to be confused when they enter into this world and they hear all of the evil that's out there and all the vain philosophies that raise themselves up against the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe that's your moment. And you think right now I'm ill-equipped for that, but he'll give you the words. That's his promise. And you'll be like Peter and you'll speak and the Pharisees in your life And the Sadducees in your life and the religious elites in your life will say, Who is this dude? Who is this gal? They ain't been to seminary. I got so many degrees, you can do the alphabet with the letters behind my name. This guy said one thing and just challenged my entire foundation. That's what God does. What does the Bible tell us? Corinthians, he uses the weak things to overcome the strong, he uses the broken things to overcome those that are whole. He uses the little things to overcome the big things. He uses the young to teach the old. He uses the foolish to teach the wise. Because in that, he gets the glory. So he has determined for your life and made you so that you the why the so that so that you could walk in the good works that he's already prearranged for you to walk in them so all you got to do is what walk just walk live your life the great commission go as you live your life as you live the life well i don't like the life i have so you don't like the lord cuz he made you the way you are he made you who you are and he made you when you are what's your beef Who's your beef with? Who made you? When you grab these truths that he has told you who you are, and you can lift your hands up and you say, I am yours. It makes all the difference. Until that point, you're going to be with my daughter-in-law. You're going to strive in your own strength, strive in what you've been taught, in this world, you should strive in. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Be independent, because to be dependent on somebody else is to fail. Right? That's what this world's going to teach you. In this country especially. Don't depend on anybody for anything. Do it all on your own. What does Jesus say? Apart from me, you can do nothing. So, you need to be dependent on me because I have breathed life into you. I've brought you back from the dead. And I have a work for you to do, not for you, but for my glory and for them. Who's the them? Look around. Whoever's coming into your eyes, that's the them. Who's my neighbor? Look around. When you go to the grocery store, your neighbor's right there. When you look out your front door, your neighbor's right there. When you come to church, your neighbor's sitting right next to you. When you go to your office, your neighbor's in the next cube over. When you go pick your kids up at school, your neighbors are the people picking up their kids at school, their teachers. It's for them. That good work that God has is so that you can give what you've been given. As I sent him into the world, so now I'm sending you. Do the good works that I have already prearranged. Just walk in them. Because I've made you for this moment. And I've gifted you and created you for the exact work that you're going to find yourself in. So you don't have to worry about what you can and can't do. You can't do anything. But you're mine. And you're in my son. In Christ you were created. In him. There's no separation You are in Him. The Holy Spirit is in you. You are one. So, now with all of that knowledge, with all of that truth, then we can get over to chapter four. Based on all of that, Paul says, I therefore, therefore, based on all of this truth, based on the fact that you are God's, based on the fact that he made you, he made you alive, he made you at this moment, and he's called you to do a work for him, to bring glory to him, and to bring his heaven on earth. Um, Based on all of that, I therefore beseech you, by the mercies of the Lord, walk worthy of your call. We want to walk worthy of our call without recognizing the truth that supports it, the truth that makes it even possible. What God says of you is absolute true, and it's absolute reality. Don't bypass it. There are many in this world that do, and they fail, and they fail, and they fail. Robbie Zacharias, who's somebody that I listen to a lot, said that for all people, there are four overarching questions. Questions of origin, questions of purpose, the questions of destiny, and the question of morality. All four of those things are answered in this passage. Where you came from, why you're here, where you're going, and how you're to live. They're all in chapter 2, verse 10. And they're expounded on in the scriptures around them. All of the questions of life. So look to the Lord. He is the master craftsman who's made you. He is the grand weaver who's working in your life. And he is the sovereign Lord who's created you for his own divine purposes and will. And If you see that truth, you'll walk. Father, I want to thank you for this morning, for this people. I want to thank you, Father, that in your divine wisdom, you have made each and every person seated in this place exactly as they are and exactly as you want them to be, exactly when you want them to be, to do the exact work that you have for them to do. We are blessed by that, Father. We are encouraged by that. We are not confused. We are not unaware. Father, we believe in you not in what you do, not in how you act, but in you. In you, Lord Jesus Christ, is where our hope is found. It's where it is founded. It's where it will come to fruition. So, Father, as we end this service, I pray that you would give us eyes of understanding, that they would be opened to see the majesty that is yours, the power that is yours, the divine destiny that you have for us. The power that you have at work in us, the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the grave and seated him at your right hand and placed everything under his feet. Lord, you have made him head of the church, the body. That's us. Help us to see that truth. Help us, Father, to be filled with your Holy Spirit so that we might in some way understand what is the width and the breadth and the depth the length of the love that you have for us in Christ, a knowledge that this world cannot give us, and help us, Father, to live our lives out in such a way based on these truths that your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, will be glorified in his church, and I thank you that you will. It's in his name, for his sake I pray, amen.